Welcome to False Bottom Girls, a podcast about the wonderful yet sometimes confusing world of beer and brewing. Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, owner of Pilot Brewing and an Advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, sensory expert, home brewer, and Advanced Cicerone. Welcome everyone to this episode of False Bottom Girls. I am Jen kicking this off and Rachel's going to be here. I'm here. I'm here right now. <laughs> right. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little yucky today because I'm a little sick, but I am here and I'm ready to talk about diacetyl. Yes. Which what is, if I said diacetyl? I think you can say that. I think you can. It's fine. Everybody knows what we're talking about. I'm not sure what the correct way is, honestly. If yeah. it's diacetyl or diacetyl. I it think because it's, it's diacetyl. And, but if you're talking about like acetyl-CoA, you say ah. acetyl, you know, and you say like diketones. So maybe it should be diacetyl, but we say diacetyl. Yeah. And that's fine too. I feel that's like fine. you all know I what think, we're talking about. Yeah. You know, according to Bill Simpson, some people argue it should be called biacetyl rather than biacetyl. diacetyl. Yes. I don't remember why he did not explain it by erasure, I guess, but two, three butane. Is that butane? Butane? How do you say that word? Butadione. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why. Butanadione. Well, that's different from diacetyl, but that yeah. is a same. It's a VDK of a diketone. Yeah, it's just similar. But maybe that's why they want to call by. I don't know. I got nothing. Nothing. I yeah, here to. we are. This is like the we have the loosest goosey of we don't even have an outline. We just have. Well, uh, yeah, we, PowerPoint. We I've are professionals. We're professionals. We don't That's need right. that. Although I will <laughs> say, I was telling Rachel that we decided to do this episode on diacetyl. And I was like, no problem. I know if I ever got asked about it, I could write this essay. I know yeah. everything. And I go and I pull up my notes. I have like a folder on my laptop that just says Master Cicerone. It's got all sorts of subfolders because I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So I'm really proud of my subfolder organization. And <laughs> I like type in, like I go to my beer flavor subfolder and I'm like, huh, I don't see anything in here. So I like, I type it into the search bar. And that's because it's all in your head. You don't need, you never needed to write it down. I guess so. <laughs> but I swear at some point I had done like a practice essay on diacetyl and um, if that does exist somewhere, I do not know where it is. I can tell you that it does not live on my laptop. I did find, like I do, uh, a PowerPoint I made of all of the off flavors tested on the Master Cicerone. And so that was like when I typed diacetyl in the search bar, that was one of the ones that came up. And I was like, perfect, great, here it is. And I open up this slideshow and, or I keep saying slideshow because I'm old. I open up the PowerPoint <laughs> and um, I get the projector with the transparencies that I've already written on um, and I open it up and I have written about like I have slides on literally everything else except VDKs. <laughs> so I think in my mind, every time I get to like, you know, practicing writing about diacetyl, I'm like, ah, I know this, I'll get to it later. I'm more nervous about the other things. And then I've just never done it. Yeah. So we're all kind of learning together here and maybe if we were ever to get asked a question about diacetyl similar to you just making a list of metals you've won i'll just say like for the answers say c episode whatever number this is <laughs> on diacetyl that's what i know about diacetyl 
no PC. way we're professionals we know a lot more than we have written we might think we know i don't know yeah i don't know sometimes i think that we um think we know more than we do <laughs> what no what's good about us is we know when we don't know that's right so Mostly. here we are <laughs> we're also what like four days away from going to London so so checked out we're li- yeah we're a little like I'm just maintaining for the next few days uh, and by the time actually no this will be out next week so when you listen to this Rachel and I will be like excitedly we'll be together in Charlotte North Carolina and we'll be excitingly telling everyone who will fucking listen to us <laughs> that we're going to London the next day but that's not what we're talking about today we're talking about diacetyl although <laughs> British ales famously can have an allowable amount of diacetyl in them. Depending on the style. That's right. And if it <laughs> tastes like it's, if you're wondering, is this more than it should be in here? Yes, it probably is. So diacetyl, we're talking what about is, it. What is it? What is diacetyl? Well, I'm trying to tell you. Oh, sorry. I thought you were just talking <laughs> about British beers in London. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about diacetyl because it is the mo- arguably the most common off flavor found in beer and it's at least the most recognizable as like something has gone wrong and that could be either in your fermentation process or it could be from your draft lines and it's the one that's just the really the most commonly encountered so it's a super important one to understand what it is and how it can form because if you're a beer professional you are likely going to run into diacetyl issues several times throughout your career and that's one of the things i like about training people on diacetyl is because it gives you a really good opportunity to be a detective and that's something that i would always tell our sales teams a lot when i worked in breweries that had sales teams is if you're out somewhere and you get one of the one of our beers on tap and it tastes like diacetyl, the first thing you should ask is when were your lines cleaned? And mm-hmm. if they, you know, and then you know, like if they were like, well, you can clean lines, then <laughs> like then you know you need to like contact, you know, like, hey, why don't you let me schedule a line cleaning for you? Um, or if they said we just cleaned our lines this morning, then it's like, okay, well, I know then it's probably not the draft lines. It's probably something that went wrong on the production side or through the brewing process. And then you can kind of, you know, trace it backwards from there. So diacetyl is a really important one to know. And I think it's one of the ones that I think, uh, I don't know, Rachel, what do you think? I know a lot of people have, like when I was first learning off flavors, diacetyl was a tough one for me, but then once it clicked, it clicked. It's so easy for diacetyl to be, okay, so just to back up, diacetyl is a natural byproduct of yeast fermentation. It happens in yeast fermentation, no matter what style of yeast, no matter what beer. Now, we as brewers go to measures to clean up this diacetyl. Um, it's very easy to f- even, it's very easy for a brewer to be wrong about the level of diacetyl being finished without maybe certain tests. So, in that case, it's very easy for diacetyl to show up in the market. And diacetyl can show up in the market in two different ways. It could be from the brewery or from faulty or unclean draft line. So for that reason, it is very common out there. Like there's a couple different ways that it can present in itself where it's really going to end up in the consumer's hand, right? Um, 
I agree that it's definitely one of the main out there. So like when we're learning about off flavors as beer people, the first ones that we tend to learn about are the ones that are most common. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I say that that are most common and that's probably true, but then the most commonly tasted as well, because why? I, I don't know. Maybe it's because the first four or five were, were all taught to taste. So like oxidation, DMS, diacetyl, acetahelahide, light struck and beer. These are all very common things that can happen and found in the market. So these are the ones we're all trained for most commonly. Um, you know why that is, I, I don't know, but I do know that there's a lot of like with wine, for example, diacetyl presents itself in a very big way, right. And bigger than beer. So if we knew how to clean up diacetyl fully, then it would never be a problem in beer. The problem right. is, is that we don't, is that it's a natural by, uh, natural fermentation byproduct. And it can be, if you, as a brewer, if you are simply fermenting your beer and like, this is like a big, you know, small brewery or big home brewery, home brewer thing to do is like you taking measurements of your beer with your gravity. And when that measurement starts to stall out, you know, the natural step in your mind is to say, okay, the beer is finished fermenting. Now, if you're not taking these extra tests, steps to test for diacetyl, you're not going to necessarily know that to be true, even though your beer tastes good. And then an eventual package, like later on down the road, when the beer is packaged, that diacetyl will represent itself. And I think that's one of the most common flaws when diacetyl happens in a brewery. I think that's one of the most common reasons why. Now, as Jim was saying, if it was to happen at a bar, not maybe not the brewery's bar, but just a tap room and beer at that tap room tastes bad, but the beer at the brewery tastes fine. That is a diacetyl infection caused by dr- dirty draft lines. So I think, I mean, I know diacetyl is one of the biggest ones out there because it wasn't that long ago where people really started to pay attention to the cleanliness of their draft lines. And it's still only, I don't know, not at probably not even 50% of the established out there are really cleaning draft lines like they should be. Right. Like right. we're, we're not talking about the brewery. We're not talking about beer bars that know what to do. We're talking about the mast sports bars, whatever Applebee's. Applebee's they're not, I mean, I don't know, but my guess is that all these places opened up eighties and nineties with draft line cleaning wasn't very known or taken seriously or like a, just really lack of knowledge. And it's hard to convince people that something they're doing is wrong when they've been doing it for so long and they still sell beer. Right. You know and nobody I mean? else is complaining. Yeah. And that's actually the like the dirty draft lines, dirty glassware was the impetus for Ray Daniels and Randy Mosier to start talking about the Cicerone certification program because exactly. they would be out places and get served beer in bad condition and say, hey, this beer's in bad condition. And Probably people drink like, a boatload of diacetyl. <laughs> yeah, people are like, no, no, it's not. And that's something that when I'm teaching people off flavors, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry about diacetyl. It's important that you learn it. But it's a double-edged sword because you're going to realize how much bad beer you've been paying for once yeah. I teach you how to taste what's wrong with it. And I'll have oh, people yeah. who will text and just be like, God damn it. Yep. <laughs> yep. There it is. When we're talking about diacetyl, I think, and it's it's the one that I think if you asked, you know, your average beer drinker, but I think this is the one with which kind of the general beer drinking public has the most familiarity. And it's also one that people think that they taste a lot. I've 
I noticed that I'm like, just because you don't like a beer doesn't mean it has diacetyl in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know when I was learning all flavors, diacetyl was really tough for me to get for a long time. Uh, but what I could get with it is the slickness of the mouthfeel. And so that's something that diacetyl is one of like, there aren't, there aren't that many off flavors that we learn where you have a flavor component and a mouthfeel component. Most of the time mm -hmm. it's going to be, you know, you can pick it up orthonasally or retronasally, yep. or you can, you know, it's like metallic is going to be more of like a mouthfeel kind of reaction. Uh, but for me, the diacetyl being able to get that slickness is what at first I was like, okay, this is, this is what I'm tasting when I'm tasting, when I have this feeling in my mouth and then eventually being able to, uh, you know, eventually being able to identify it as diacetyl, excuse me, identify it as diacetyl by taste. Yeah. And the slickness is the last thing that you'll get too. So right. like if, even if it's at its lowest level of concentration, even if you don't taste it, but you do feel it, that is an indicator that there's still diacetyl in our beer, which is something that we look out for when we're doing these VDK tests at the brewery. Right. And I know some people a few years ago, I think this comes up every few years, or maybe I just remember it from being a few years ago. It seems like some people dispute whether slickness, like whether there is actually a mouthfeel for diacetyl or not. For me, interesting. Bill I mean, I'm Simpson, sure it's different for everyone. Sure. But for or me, like Bill, Sim Bill Simpson says that I, there's going to be a slickness in the mouthfeel. That's good enough for me. I, that's a trusted I mean, resource. From experience, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the other thing. Um, and I, I know I've seen people say that like the, the slickness is because the buttery taste is like your brain interpreting the buttery taste. And it's like, no, it, it has an actual mouthfeel to it. So who knows? Maybe, maybe that yeah. will be wrong. And we've all just been making it up this whole time. But uh, personally, I think that diacetyl and you as well, Rachel, diacetyl does have a mouthfeel component to it. Mm -hmm. um, with diacetyl, the, that's going to be the movie theater popcorn, butterscotch. I don't always get it as butterscotch. No, um, I usually I get the I get the fake butter, the artificial yeah. butter flavor is what I get. And the actually the reason for that is um, why we associate it with movie theater popcorn is because they used to use diacetyl as the fake butter flavoring for movie theater popcorn. Mm. So diacetyl in, you know, in a spike amount in the amounts that you're drinking in, you know, poorly made craft beer or poorly maintained draft lines over your lifetime is not going to be dangerous, but large amounts of diacetyl are hazardous. So what was happening when they were using this diacetyl to make the artificial butter for movie theater popcorn or for, you know, for like microwave popcorn is um, they would add the diacetyl until workers developed bronchitis or bronchitis obliterance from inhaling diacetyl. And that oh. is what popcorn lung is. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Is, is um, workers inhaling diacetyl and that gave them popcorn lung. So that's where wow. that comes from. Um, and that's also why though, that's such a strong connection for all of us. The same way, like isoamyl acetate tastes like fake bananas and not real bananas mm -hmm. because in the fifties, we made a decision on bananas and you know, life has moved past then. So bananas used to taste like isoamyl acetate tastes, uh, and mm -hmm. now they taste like 
what we think of as regular bananas. Or they I used to inject bananas. bananas. What? They used to inject <laughs> bananas with isolated acetate or something? No, there used to be, there's like, there's tons of different varieties of bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the most popular banana um, was the, I believe, so it's the Cavendish and the San Michel. I think the Cavendish is the one that like, there was like a big, um, like fungus or something that happened that like wiped out the Cavendish banana um, and the St. Uh, Michel, or no, I'm sorry, the Gros Michel, because it means Big Michael is the name. Like when you see bananas in the store, they're called Big Michaels, um, Gros Michel. They, uh, those were more tolerant to whatever the disease was that was going around. And so the market just shifted to using those kinds of bananas. But the reason why like banana runs or banana flavoring is isoamyl acetate is because in the Cavendish bananas that were more popular, that's what they tasted like. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Thank you for oh, clarifying. You're welcome. Artificial <laughs> banana flavor actually used to be real life banana flavor. Got you. Um, yeah. Interesting. Facts. Yes. Like it. It's B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> but we're not talking about bananas. We're yeah, talking sorry. about diacetyl. But yes, like you mentioned, uh, in wine, diacetyl is produced during malolactic fermentation, which is why uh, some white wines, especially Chardonnay, will be described as being buttery. It's because they have diacetyl in them. Diacetyl is going to be a VDK. We've mentioned that a couple of times. That's a vicinal diketone. And there are two of them. And so it's going to be diacetyl and 2,3-pentadione. So they are... In like in a chemical test, they're almost indistinguishable. So that's why they're grouped together as VDKs. And it's kind of like um, THP, like with THP, you have ATHP and ETHP, and one of them is much less flavor active. Yes. So like when you're thinking of VDK, most of the time what you're saying, and I know some people use VDK and diacetyl interchangeably, which I don't think is exactly correct, but I also don't think that it's exactly incorrect. Uh, but the perception level for diacetyl is 10 times higher than 2,3-pentadione. Yeah. And so 2,3-pentadione is nearly flavorless. So most of the time it's, you know, when somebody says VDK, like, yeah, there probably is some 2,3-pentadione in there, but you're not, what you're tasting is diacetyl. Exactly. And there's such a small amount of the 2,3 that they just kind of lump it together. Right, exactly. So that's the um, vicinal diketones. So that's kind of the overview of diacetyl and it can come from two, well, it, um, it can come from different sources, but the main sources for diacetyl are going to be either yeast derived or derived from other organisms, which is also saying like, it, it can be this bacteria. or it can be literally everything else. Um, but she'll just have to trust us that we'll get there and talk to what those, talk about what those other organisms can be. So for yeast derived diacetyl for, um, if we're talking about Saccharomyces, that is going to occur when, and I'm, we'll give a like a high level view, or I guess this is probably like a halfway down view, and then we'll get really into the weeds. But the yeast produces alpha-acetolactate, which is a diacetyl precursor, uh, which will leach out of the yeast cell into the fermenting beer. So, I, and I think we've said this before, I've said it before, but, you know, yeast is a, like a, the, the good, guest who comes to your house party where they're going to show up and they're going to help you party and you're going to have a great time and there's going to be a huge fucking mess but if you give them enough time like the next <laughs> morning 
the yeast will clean up your house before they leave, right? Yeah, so, just don't kick them out. Right, exactly, exactly. Don't kick them out. Um, let the yeast stay because the once that alpha, alpha acetolactate leaches out of the yeast cell into the fermenting beer, that's then going to break down into diacetyl. And if your yeast is still active and still healthy, it will pick that diacetyl back up and then reduce it to acetoin, which is a flavorless compound. So yeah, it, the alpha acetolactate will actually oxidize, will confront right. with oxygen, and that will allow it to break down to diacetyl. Right. Which will and then, I, yeah, like you said, be converted back up, convert into ac acetone and the T3 butane, um, butanidol that I cannot say. <laughs> butane, yes. that is so, gas. <laughs> um, the, I remember, Rachel, when we were at White Labs taking their yeast basics class, and Kara, um, no, not Kara, um, Neva, who was also one of our interview interviewees last year mm -hmm. for our Patreon listeners, Neva was the one teaching the class. And I remember her saying something like, you know, kind of talking about like, here's what's going on during fermentation. And then she just kind of like over her shoulder offhand is like, and we all know that yeast doesn't make diacetyl, right? Beer makes diacetyl, like kind of the same way that people are like, brewers make wort, yeast makes beer. And she yeah. just said that, and like everybody's like, yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> what? Because it's, you know, we're, we're just taught like it's yeast derived and it's like, yeah. okay, fine. Yeast doesn't make diacetyl. Okay. Yeah. But it's from the fermentation process, which involves yeast. So looking a little bit closer at what is going on with this yeast derived diacetyl. And I will say before we get into this, the majority of this information comes from the extremely excellent diacetyl deep dive that Escarpment Labs did in 2020. Mm. So good guys. I know, so good. I know we've said it before. That's one of my favorite Worth resources. YouTube, Escarpment Labs, subscribe watch the diacetyl deep dive. They do, the, the team at Escarpment just does such a fantastic job at plainly explaining fermentation for people who don't come from a, a science background. So most of what we're talking about here, that information has come from the Escarpment Labs diacetyl deep dive. So like Rachel said, diacetyl is a byproduct of an essential reaction. And diacetyl is actually a byproduct of the amino acid valine. So what happens is we have glucose that gets converted into pyruvate, that gets converted into alpha-acetolactate, then it's going to leach out of our yeast cell. Valine and leucine are two amino acids that are required for a healthy fermentation. Yeast cells need it. So when we're talking about what, what's happening with valine, this conversion between from pyruvate to alpha-acetolactate, that happens with the amino acid valine. And this is known as a rate limiting step. So it's the speed is fixed regardless of what your fermentation temperature is, regardless of the amount of nutrients you have. So it's going to go at one speed and it's not going to go faster than that. And it's not going to go slower than that. So then what happens is when you have this backup or any difference between the pyruvate and the alpha acetolactate, that means that some of that alpha-acetolactate is going to leach out of the cell into the beer where it's going to oxidize into diacetyl. Rate limiting step means that really with diacetyl, the focus is on how much valine is inside 
each one of those cells and our amino acids are going to come from our malt. Uh, so you want, like you can't just add more free amino nitrogen fan uh, to try to like, you know, make the diacetyl like less. The amount of valine is what determines how much diacetyl is going to, or could potentially end up in the beer. And we'll, we'll definitely talk more about like the fermentation and everything, but the slower you ferment, the more efficient valine is, um, or the more efficient valine is produced. So there's less diacetyl. If you have a really, you know, a hot temperature or you have a fast fermentation, the less efficient valine is going to be produced. So you're going to have more diacetyl. So again, that's just a rate limiting step. Think of it as like a metronome. And if you go slow and there's not too much going on, then the valine can just, you know, keep on keeping on. Um, and I kind of think, Rachel, I know you're a big I Love Lucy fan. This kind of reminds me of like the chocolate factory thing, <laughs> right? Like that. It's going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's like, then she starts trying to like eat it and it starts yeah. going everywhere. Like that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. what's going on with diacetyl. And all that stuff that's going everywhere is what's excreting out of the cell because she can't right. keep it in check. That's right. exactly. yes. yes. So valine is the uh, Lucille Ball. Because she's at, cause she's at a higher, she's at a higher fermentation temperature and her right. fermentation temperature needs to be lower. Yes. Because fermentation temperature is what we're talking about here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and also TM, 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 because I think we just hit on a really good analogy for how that I works. I knew I loved Lucy. I knew I loved her. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Rachel is a very big, I love Lucy fan. Very big. And to like watch the new movie that came out and just kind of see how much of a badass she is. Yes. Even she went on stage. Okay. Side note. She did a episode with her husband at right. Like minutes after finding out that he cheated on her. Yes. And then she, and she was, and she was a professional about it. You would never know. I went back like after watching that movie and figuring out what episode that was, I went back and watched that episode just yeah. to like, try to see like if there was anything I could see in her face <laughs> I love that I mean I don't know what I saw probably nothing she I mean who know who would know right and then and then I was so mad at him for her like watching <laughs> that episode it's like you're a fucking piece of shit <laughs> but yeah I love Lucy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so imagine that scene that's what we're talking about sure. sort of with with what's going on so the art yeast cells are going to synthesize the amino acids internally um, and not all amino acids are created equal. So there's four different groups. I'm not gonna go through all of them, but you'll just have to believe me or look it up for yourself that both valine and leucine are in group B. So they're labeled A, B, C, D with A being the ones that absorb the fastest um, all the way down to D, which means that it doesn't absorb at all. And that's proline if anybody's interested. Um, but valine and leucine are both in group B. So they are moderately, um, they are moderately synthesized by yeast. So that's, again, another reason why it's important to have uh, really healthy yeast is so they can make sure that you have a healthy fermentation in part so that you're getting a good conversion, you know, within your cells and you're not getting too much pyruvate, too much alpha-acetolactate, too much stuff leaking out of the cell. And another thing you can do that will help increase, well, it says increase valine, I think is more likely to make more valine available is if you do a protein rest. And that's, that's something. So listen, this is my million dollar idea. TM, 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 barley <laughs> breeders who are- Why are we there. not more rich? I know, right? <laughs> 
barley <laughs> brewers who are or brewers, barley breeders who are out there who are listening to this, hit me up. We need to make breed a barley with high amounts of valine to have like a like a no diacetyl malt. Right. <laughs> so if like ceteris paribus, you have healthy yeast, you have everything else, you've got this barley that has like higher than normal normal valine uh you know levels in it so that way you have enough failing to deal with anything boom diacetyl proof beer tm 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 that, that but uh well yeah yeah i guess if you need to take that out we take out yeah i don't know enough to know if that would work but it, it sounds like it would work. It sounds right? good. Sounds yeah, good. you make a high valine, <laughs> high valine barley variety, and you don't have to worry as much about diacetyl. Although I don't like that either at all, it's, because you know there will be a ton of people who are like, "Cool, now I can be even lazier about quality about right. the quality of my beer." It's not going to happen, right? Well, right. maybe I'll someone use this. I'll use stylized do. yeast yeah. and make just a truly one-dimensional, not good beer. Oh, passion <laughs> fruit. Oh, gross. <laughs> Yes. So the, uh, when we're talking about, you know, being able to like remove diacetyl, uh, I mean, diacetyl is one of those things that like once it's, it removes it's itself. There, yeah. You just got to give it time. Right. Yes. Again, if you've got healthy yeast, then the yeast will clean it up and get rid of it. Yeah. Um, or you can also, uh, one of the things I know that Bill Simpson recommends is if, if you're a large enough brewery, you can blend it away, which isn't really getting rid of it. It's just Blech, diluting it. masking it. Here's an interesting scenario for you. Okay. Beer's fermenting gets crashed accidentally too fast, too soon. Mm-hmm. Can you too fast, too soon? Yeah. The newest like... in the fast and furious franchise. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep up with that. Beers. Someone crashes the beer too too soon and realizes it without taking it off the yeast, and then warms it back up. Well, can you do that? Um, Will you get rid of your diacetyl? Well, but if you warm it, it depends back on up. You're depends not on really where putting you the are. beer back into the solution, or you're not putting the yeast back into the solution. Well, you, you could bump it, burp it with CO two, like you That's could true. like bubble it bubble it it's a question i've been it's a scenario that has happened before in some breweries i've worked at nothing like too memorable where it ruined anything like it's a big deal but i think you can i think depending on where your fermentation is or what what the the deal is how long it's been crashed because you're not you're just putting the yeast in a dormant you're not killing them necessarily so uh if 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 that happens don't up your beer and try to warm back up burp the yeast a little bit try to get it going again yeah i think that but i'm not saying it's going to be foolproof but right. i've seen it's other not going to be the best it. beer you've ever made but yeah, but yeah I it seems like you could recover it. from it or you could probably add more yeast if you need to yeah you might be able to warm it back up like now if you're depending on what's going on if you're i mean it's always easier to make things warmer when it's cold already not when it's like 70 degrees but right uh food for thought if you do that yeah don't dump your beard okay somebody i know we've got people listening who are studying for advanced and master that's your practice essay um rachel just gave you your troubleshooting scenario (laughs) and i'm really good at giving essays we need you to (laughs) answer this essay and let us know and i'm not being facetious when i say that if somebody sends us an essay on what rachel the troubleshooting that rachel just posed Make your argument, yay or nay. 
let's see. Yeah. Or let's you see. could just comment. You don't have to do a whole essay. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that as like ominous, like, let's see, like, <laughs> No, no. But, you like, know, if you want like your uh, little I think it's situational so dependent. I think it depends on where the beer is and fermentation and what kind of health the yeast already had to start with. Right. But I have seen people do it on accident and I have seen beer come back from it. Was it the beer that you intended? I don't know. <laughs> Did it taste good? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what, Yeah. And I think you've said this before, too. Like you can always stop. Yeah. And yeah, so it's not it's, you could save it. It's not going to be the probably the most beer you're the most proud of but it might be the drinkable i make a lot of like pretty bad beer that i still drink because it's, <laughs> it's in my house so <laughs> i don't make bad beer <laughs> so in you know in talking about this just given our schedules and such i think that we'll probably turn this into a two-part um, because it turns out that we do actually know more about diastole than we expected and rachel has a delivery of course we do Stop. Stop telling people we don't know anything about diastole. Like if you need to know the fundamental differences in our course between me and Rachel, that exchange that summed it up. Maybe I'm like, we're not good enough. And Rachel's like, we're even better than we think. We are, though. That's the that's what happens. You're like, so everyone's way harder on themselves than anyone else is. That's true. That's absolutely true. So um, we will, we're going to wrap this one up. So we've gotten, we've talked about the diacetyl, how it's going to form from Saccharomyces. And uh, next time, what we'll talk about is other ways diacetyl can show up, like dry hopping, um, yeah. dry yeast, also other organisms, because as we mentioned, dirty draft lines, that's not because you didn't have enough valine in the beer. Uh, so next time we will do that and talk through some of the beer styles where low levels can be acceptable, which in most cases it's, you know, if you make the rule, if you make the style, you get to break the rule and make it your own way and everything else is just kind of a copycat. So with that, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Rachel, for joining me today. You're um, welcome. <laughs> and we will be back in a couple of weeks with part two of our diacetyl episode. And if there, you know, as you're listening to this, if you have any questions about diacetyl, know that we'll be recording something soon. So send us some of your questions. Yes. And very thank good. You, thank you, everyone. You can find us on social media at false bottom girls on Instagram and Facebook. You can email us falsebottomgirls at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website, falsebottomgirls.com. And now we'll end the episode. I don't have a punny fun. Uh, yeah, I I feel like I'll think of something later. Um, but yeah, I hope your your mouths don't feel slick. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the brewing world go round.